A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for forty days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, where he remained for forty days. Moses spent forty days on Mount Sinai, before he received the Ten Commandments. Eliah was forty days in the wilderness on his way to Mount Horeb. The wilderness was also a time of testing for the people of Israel. They grumbled about the report from the spies who had done reconnaissance in the Promised Land for, wait for it, forty days. Their consequences will be to shepherd the wilderness one year for each of these 40 days. The word Mark uses for the Spirit driving Jesus into the desert is the same word for driving out demons, for people cast out into the darkness, and for Jesus' eviction of the people who had turned the temple into a marketplace. The Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. This is the opposite of Adam and Eve, who failed their testing with Satan and then were driven out of the garden. Here, Jesus is driven out in order to get right what Adam and Eve got wrong. The flood story in Genesis also moves in the opposite direction. It's the undoing of the first week of creation. The Hebrew word for flood, mabul, is a surging mass of water of confusion and chaos. The flood is a return to the universe before creation. In Hebrew, tohu vabohu. In the original creation story, God called each thing into being out of the tohu vabohu. Here, the process is reversed. Life on earth is not so much drowned as taken over by the forces of chaos in order to be recreated. God said to Noah, The earth is filled with violence. René Girard has suggested that a flood is an apt image for a society overwhelmed with retaliatory violence. A man, like Noah, who tried not to be part of this violence, would be an obvious choice of a victim to unite the fragmented society. The flood story is a scapegoating story in reverse— Instead of one person dying to save the many, many people die in order to save one family of every species. Jesus, who will be the scapegoat at the end of the story, goes through the sifting of Noah, Adam and Eve, the people of Israel, 
and Moses, and will be the one who brings ultimate peace based on forgiveness, not the sacred violence of scapegoating. James Allison suggests that the Jews were expelled after being blamed for the plague scourging the country. Again, we have an overwhelming flood, and once more, we have a story of people delivered from a violent and oppressive society. The flood story clearly indicates a social meltdown with a few, probably the intended victims, escaping. The Exodus story refers to the social meltdown in Egypt that led to the expulsion of the Israelites. In the desert, the Israelites had their own social meltdown centered around rivalry between Moses and Aaron. In the first letter of Peter, believed by many scholars to be a baptismal homily, Peter says that the deliverance of Noah and his family corresponds to baptism, which saves us now through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through Christ, God has reconciled all things, making peace through the blood of his cross. Although it might seem that Jesus is also swept up in the flood of violence, First Peter is suggesting that the cross and tomb are really his ark. Being sealed up in the tomb has really been his ark of salvation. In Genesis, the waters are a source of death. In the Gospel of John, the water that pours out of Christ's side is life-giving, symbolizing the waters of baptism. On Easter Sunday, despite the locked doors, the risen Christ enters and breathes forth God's forgiveness and peace. There's a fascinating verse in the second reading. Christ was brought to life in the Spirit. In it, he also went to preach to the spirits in prison. The spirits in prison are those who died before the resurrection. Although we imagine the resurrection as Christ being raised from the dead, here the movement is in the opposite direction. He descended into hell. In the Eastern tradition, the icon of the resurrection portrays Christ's descent into hell. The risen Christ is lifting Adam and Eve out of their coffins. They go with Christ into heaven. On the cross, Jesus prayed the opening line of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus is praying God into the place where it seems that God is absent. Pope Benedict explained it this way. In his passion, Christ went down into the abyss of our abandonment. Where no voice can reach us any longer, there he is. Hell is thereby overcome, or to be more accurate, death, which was previously hell, is hell no longer. There is life in the midst of death because love dwells in it. The doors of death stand open since life 
Love has dwelt in death. Only a few weeks ago, Pope Francis remarked, I like to think hell is empty. I hope it is. This is exactly the theological hope expressed in the Fatima prayer that so many Catholics learn with their rosary. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. None of us choose to go freely into the wilderness, but the wilderness happens anyway, and sometimes it is God's own Spirit who drives us there. In a chaotic, fragile, and broken world, even a dangerous desert can become holy. Our wilderness wanderings can reveal the divine. The wilderness is not empty. Amidst the wild animals, angels minister unawares. God takes the things of shadow and death and emptiness and wrings from them resurrection.